Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You are listening to Milani Kai broadcasting live from the great city of Atlanta, Georgia. And speaking of greatness, my guest, her family's legacy permeates nations and generations. America recently commemorated the 60th anniversary of her father's I Have a Dream speech. Wow, it's been 60 years. She is the youngest offspring of the civil rights icons, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Mrs. Coretta Scott King. Amongst other things, she is the CEO of the MLK Jr. Center for Nonviolent Social Change. And sadly... Rumor has it she's an Atlanta Falcons fan, but I'm going to forgive all of that, and I'm going to let that slide because she's one of my favorite people to have an on-air <laughs> conversation with. And rumor has it she's terrible in pool, but other than that, she is oh here right now. God. That's just the rumor. I can't help rumors. Listen here, y'all. Y'all been listening to her all this time and not know she's giving you some fake news. Uh-oh. Melanie Kai. Dr. Bernice, Tell the truth. <laughs> Dr. Bernice King, she's in the house. What's up, Dr. King? Thanks for being Meet here. Meet me at the pool table. Meet you at the pool table? That's right. Just like that. You look like you're doing TV and all that stuff. What's going on? You can't I'm, beat me looking like that. Oh, yes, you I gotta can. You got to put on some sweats or something. Look, this jacket can come <laughs> off, okay? <laughs> well, let's talk about it. We're about less than two weeks removed from a huge, huge, huge commemoration that happened in Washington, D.C. had to do with the legacy of your father, his I Have a Dream speech. I want to ask you a little bit about where we are with that in 2023, but I've got to ask you, how did it feel? I watched you on national TV. I watched you on international TV celebrating the legacy. Oh, my gosh. She's just an iconic person. And then you're there in Washington, D.C. at this mega statue of your father. What did it feel like to be in that moment 60 years later? You know, I know this is probably difficult for people to, to believe, but I'm not in my feelings a lot. And maybe that's unfortunate, you know, because I recognize that I have an assignment related to this legacy. And so I try to stay at that level and not get too too into the feelings because I think it'll, you know, sabotage some of what I'm, <laughs> what I'm trying to, to do. Um, I can say that it's an honor, though, to be in this uh, family, to be the offspring of two great people um, that are, that not only change, but are continuing to change the world, change hearts, change minds. Um, and I'm honored to play a role in continuing to perpetuate the things that they put out there um, to help us move toward a more just, humane, equitable, and peaceful world. So, you know, when when I was doing all of those different interviews and many of them at the, the memorial, yeah, I know this is the memorial's there. I know the Stone of Hope is there with my father um, and his image. Uh but, you know, for me, it's like, let's, let's get the business and talk about what needs to be talked about, you know. So that's really what, it happens to me in January, same thing. So I'm not going to get any uh, stories of tears, <laughs> of breakdowns, of crying, uh, of uh, I thought I was going to get something. Not, not, yet. not okay. yet. I have moments, but they're usually not around those times because yeah. I go into you know, function mode, right. you know, task mode. Because right. uh, I'm a task-oriented person. I'm, you know, I don't particularly care that I'm task-oriented and not very balanced with the more, you know, 
person oriented. So I'm I'm person oriented in a different way, but I'm more comfortable in the task space because I'm socially shy. The CEO of the King Center is with me, Melani Kai, and how honored I always am when I have the privilege of having a conversation with her. I've got to ask you, this is a straight up question. You have been so gracious enough to let me ask things that I don't understand. What I don't understand in 2023, I've studied your father. I I continue to watch you and study the things that you're doing to help his legacy live on. I'm having trouble equating what your parents did and and that generation of of civil rights folks who were fighting against injustices to what I see these organizations now doing because I see a lot of marching. I see a lot of crying. I see a lot of demands, but I don't see any change. And with your father and your mothers and those back then, I saw change. So help me understand what is different about what these groups or organizations are doing now that doesn't allow me to see any change versus what happened back in the day. Well, here is the issue. First of all, I wouldn't say there's no change. Um, There's some things happening that people just aren't aware of. I mean, there's you know, legislation passing in different areas that people don't know about in their cities and their states, um, good (laughs) and bad, Um, and in in our nation. I think what you're speaking to, though, is that you don't see a strong contingency of people that are working systematically toward addressing some of these injustices on an ongoing basis. What you see is these spurts of actions that happen when something gets most of the news um, and all the people come out, um, but there's no centralized voice. And that doesn't mean a person. It can be an entity. It can be several different leaders who've joined together to speak with one voice. um, And that's what seems to be absent today. Daddy was a spokesperson for the movement. When people say we don't need one leader anymore, they're mistaken. Because you're almost insulting Jose Williams, you're insulting Coretta Scott King, you're insulting Dorothy Height, you're insulting Andrew Young, you're insulting John Lewis, C.T. Vivian, Amelia Boynton. All those people were leaders. They just had different roles in the movement. And Daddy played his very well as president of his organization. But overall, people looked to him to kind of articulate where we are and to speak to the different aspects of community. He understood, you know, white folks and what, you know, kind of where they were coming from because he he studied, you know, Um, and he used that studying to his advantage. If you're a good attorney, I'm I'm an attorney. I don't practice. I don't litigate. But, you know, as you get trained and developed through law school and then you're around other litigators, they'll tell you they have to understand their opposition. You know, they have to understand their case. They have to get in the mind of the opposing counsel to see what would they argue. If I was on that side, what would my position be? We don't approach issues that way today because we don't have a leader that's able to articulate and have a broad understanding and appreciation of all humanity, yet recognizing there's good and the best, there's good and the worst of us, and there's bad, you know, in the best of us. And Daddy understood that. And so what seems to me to be lacking, as I said, is that that centralizing messaging and voice and strategy that keeps people connected from day to day, tackling the issues, you know, via a plan and constant strategizing. You know, if you studied the movement, as you 
probably have done some. In Montgomery, they had opposition at every turn. If they had just met one time, strategized, and not recognized this has to be ongoing, that's what nonviolence is about. People think nonviolence is about this physical thing. They hit me, I'm going to get them straight, I'm going to knock them upside the head. That is a narrow understanding. Nonviolence is so much larger and broader than that. It gives you the strategy, the mindset, the ability, the power, the strength to endure and to come up with what do we need to do next now that we face this backlash of opposition. You know, it gives you the courage. I mean, it's it's just it's so much more than people think. You are listening to Milani Kai, where I am in the middle of a riveting conversation with the youngest offspring of the late great civil rights icons, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Mrs. Coretta Scott King. She's also the CEO of the King Center. And every conversation I have with her, I get it more. The principles of nonviolent social change, I'm still working on it, trying to understand it. But people are listening now and they want to know how can they learn more about your father's vision for nonviolent social change. The King Center has an online version, you know, at thekingcenter.org, where you can study it at your own pace. Um, we have our virtual experiences. We're going to go back to some in-person experience, in-person experience, in-person experiences. <laughs> um, and, you know, we've we've gone into places. We went into Ferguson when everything was going down, when it was, you know, really intense and created an atmosphere to bring frontline protesters in with those law enforcement officers who were on the front line. Um, And some of them didn't want to be in the room together. A few people left. But the majority of them, we gave them an opportunity to decide, do you want these law enforcement officers in here or not? And the people said, no, we want them to stay here, which was good because it allowed all the parties to, to understand and grow together. It wasn't about a training where you did this, you did this. It's nonviolence that you are immersing yourself in and you're looking in the mirror. You're not looking out the window at somebody else. You're, you're letting the reflection come back on you. And you get an opportunity to hear perspectives on the other side and begin to, you know, let down some of these defenses that occur between law enforcement and community. Now, are there some uh, systemic problems? Yeah. You know, it's not just a rogue cop. There's systems that are protecting you know, uh, law enforcement officers are doing things that are very harmful. But nonviolence helps in the process of unearthing that and even helping us to reimagine what public safety should look like. Um, so I don't know what I, your original question was. You, it's you different it. today. Yeah. And I just think the biggest difference is you have to have a leadership protocol. Doesn't mean you have to have one person, but you have to understand All of this stuff takes leaders who can help to create strategy, plan, and also uh, help to design the approach. People play different roles. Everybody kind of, you know, we're living in a celebrity culture. So everybody's famous today because of social media. I got, you know, thousands. Not me personally, but I'm saying an individual. I got a thousand followers. Oh, you do? You You got hundreds of thousands. So I'm saying I don't need. I don't need you. I mean, you know, I got my own. And that's kind of messed us up. So it's hard for people to come, you know, in accord with other people and align with that and sometimes take a a step back so that the process for the whole can go forward. 
So there's a lot of ego. There's a lot of jockeying. There's a lot of what my father called the drum major instinct, where everybody wants to be first, seen, heard, get credit. And that's sabotaging, you know, the process. So I don't want to attack organizations as much as I want to challenge them to figure out how do we not just collaborate and say, this is what I'm doing in the space. This is what you're doing in the space. You know, let's get together and we collaborate and look at this issue. But let's really look at where the strengths lie. What is your greatest strength as an organization? But before we can get to the strengths, let's look at what do we need to tackle this particular issue? Where do we start with strategy? Because that's going to determine what strengths you need, what resources you need. We don't take the necessary thoughtful time um, to address these issues. We, we, we typically kind of go with the emotion. Daddy and them had emotions, but they channeled those emotions into their strategies, into their planning, you know, into their education and training. Because they, they didn't just turn the other cheek, as they say. You know, there was purpose to that. It was purpose to not wanting to retaliate in a movement. This has nothing to do with your personal self-defense in your home, what happened down at the, um, um, what, in Alabama at the um, Riverside. You know, that was a personal attack. That's, that's not what we're talking about. Daddy believed people had the right to self-defense. And to choose their pathway in that. He just didn't choose the violent pathway, even in personal self-defense for himself. But he didn't deny that people had that right. But once we get past that personal situation, then somebody got to cut off the chain of violence. That's what my mother used to tell me growing up. Why continue to fight? Because violence perpetuates violence. It sows further destructive seeds, you know, and it's a never-ending cycle. And so shut it down after that. When that guy was finally, you know, you know, protected, separated, whatever, why did we have to go to the next degree? That's ego. That's adrenaline. That's y'all ain't going to do us that way no more or whatever. But the reality is you're so focused on those individuals. The people who do unjust, mean-spirited, people who we say are racist people, they're more born every day, meaning they're not born racist but they're going to be raised by some people. So we need to be working on how do we penetrate these different environments so that more and more people can be transformed so that there's less and less of that. It's going to always be present. If we think we're going to get to a place where all of this stuff is non-existent, then that's when the kingdom of God comes for me. But in the meantime, we have to work to minimize not people, but what that represents and create an atmosphere for the people who who at some point are going to be transformed because you may not change them, but something else down the line may change them. And you want to, you want people, I want people redeemed and changed, you know, because I'm a Christian. I saw a man, I read about a man in the Bible named Moses who murdered, buried the body, fled the scene and became a fugitive. He was the most wanted. If we most wanted list today, that would be Moses. And yet God took the most wanted and said, go back and liberate your people. So whatever that anger was that Moses had in his defense of his, 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 his brother, um, you know, 
something transpired different in him through time, through experience, you know. And so I don't ever want to get in the way of that process for people because if it ever happened to me, I would hope somebody would have some kind of mercy or grace to extend to me so that I can be reformed or redeemed, you know. But I don't want people to be loose, though, because I do think we have to have criminal justice system. People have to pay penalties. We can't let cops get away with shooting people, misusing their power when they just walk away and it's okay and pat them on. No, 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 no. That needs to be prosecuted, indicted, convicted, and jailed. But what I'm talking about is what we see every day in culture, how we're just demolishing each other with our words. Um, and sometimes with our behavior, just using, using weapons just to shoot people, you know, because I didn't like what you said or how you crossed me on the highway. I mean, just crazy, stupid stuff that we just don't, we don't value life anymore. Dr. Bernice A. King, it is always my pleasure when you stop by and have these conversations with me. And back to the start of the show, I just got to say, don't try me. Don't even try when it comes to pool, when it comes to ping pong. Ping, don't leave ping pong alone. That's all I'm saying. Just leave ping pong alone. You this is like the only me, place so. where I'm going to use this word. I'm going to crush you on the table, okay? <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. Dr. King, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Thank you.